Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. She is the executive producer, co-anchor. She has a new background. She has a new look. I mean, she's she's on Peloton every other day. Not, is no, every, every day. day. I, I don't I don't skip a day. I skipped one day. It was the day after I had my second vaccine and I couldn't move. But other than that, I've ridden it every day since I got it. By the way, what's great is our friend Dennis Lacanada is going to be joining us in a second. He won't be talking Peloton, but I know he happens to be obsessed with Peloton uh, with some other friends of ours, uh, Jose Linares and Nick Greco. Nikki's uh, Nikki's a little. He's our lawyer. He's a little short. He has a hard time getting up on the bike. Oh, but, Steve. Know, oh, my gosh. I'm going to protect Nick. Come on. Too soon. Nikki's protected. Trust me. Uh, <clears throat> hey, Mary, speaking of being protected, tell everyone who funds, sponsors the great lessons in leadership. Sure thing. Our sponsors are the best. So we have Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. And we have the New Jersey Sharing Network, and we have Seton Hall University and the Bassino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University. And we've had some platforms we've added, iHeartRadio, Audible. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So Nicole and our team, I've given her a shout out a couple of times, but I can't thank her enough for all our help behind the scenes. She made that happen. You can also find us on Google Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also, you can follow Steve on Facebook at Steve Adubato, PhD. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O. Or on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Yep, and you can come to our new home at... No, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I thought you were actually going to do it. I'm like, wait, stop the press. No. Hey, listen, let's introduce... Uh, listen, if you watch us on public broadcasting, let's just say we're a little more, little more buttoned up, okay? Yeah. Lessons in leadership is a little looser. Yep. You know, I, I noticed that I was I was not invited to be a co-host on the PBS side because I don't think that would end well for me or you. <laughs> or public broadcasting. But that being said, we're joined by our friend Dennis Lacanata, who is a sales executive, Universal Mailing Service. Good to see you, my friend. Hello there, Steve. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to represent uh, a lot of small businesses. Uh, that are very important to the economy of New Jersey, I feel. Talk about Universal Mailing Service. What is it and why is it so important that you've had to continue to innovate and adapt and pivot, if you will? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Universal Mailing Services uh, is a full-service direct mail company. Uh, we provide uh, full services, including print and list services and data processing services for any company uh, or organization that needs to get their message out. As a matter of fact, we do a lot of work for some of the uh, companies that you represent. Absolutely, but you know what's interesting, Dennis, and Dennis, let me disclose, Dennis and I are longtime golf partners and friends. We, we've we played on the same team, we've competed with each other. We did a whole thing on another segment, Dennis, about my golfing demeanor many years ago, which wasn't the kind of leadership, if you will, in terms of, you know, comportment. But Dennis has seen the better side of me. Can we get that out of the way, Dennis? Well, but the important thing is, Steve, we win together. So in leadership, <laughs> let's be clear. In leadership, it's not always whether you rub it in the face of one like Jose Linares. If, like, if we beat, for argument's sake, uh, Judge Linares, who was the head of the federal courts, and you beat him, and I rub it in, is that a good leadership trait or is it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter just because we won. Well, it's it's just being very truthful, Steve. I mean, it's hard not to uh, 
not to uh, predict the future and, and, and talk about what the truth is. Um, and uh, you and I have proven that uh, on last weekend. Mary, is winning everything or is it how you play the game? I think, well, I mean, you and I, you and I may agree to disagree, but it's definitely it's how you play the game in my book. So would you rather play the game very you know, nice and you lose or win and rub it in a little bit, Mary? I just want to clarify. I, I like rubbing it in just a little bit. Gloating, okay. it, it feels good, just a little bit. Okay, I have to cut back on the gloating. I'm sorry, Dennis, back to leadership. Let's do this. Mary and I were talking about this before we got on the air. Mary, Mary, ask about the multi-channel marketing, because I always hear the term. I don't know what it means. Yeah, no, and, and Dennis, you and I had talked a little bit about that uh, in our pre-interview, but I, just tell everybody what that is, why it's important, especially now uh, in a pandemic and with COVID going on. You know, what's interesting about our industry is it keeps evolving and changing. And what we have found is that no one media is successful on its own. Um, so uh, by creating multi-channels and multimedias uh, and bringing them all together, integrating them so that the, the consumer ends up getting multiple touches from multiple sources. So for instance, if somebody sends out, if we send out a direct mail piece to someone, at the same time, they may get an email, they may get a mobile alert, they may get a social media pop-up. Uh, and, and by receiving all of those channels all at the same time, and of course, with the same type of message, it enhances the message and gets the consumer to respond a lot quicker and faster. Yeah, and Dennis, well said. I, I know- Go ahead, Mary. Because yeah, we do the same thing, Mary, don't we? Uh, well, I don't know if we're thinking the same thing on this, but I'm very curious about this. We are really in a digital world right now, and it's great that you're touching people, you're getting out there, you're getting your brand out there. How do you stay alive, afloat, uh, really thriving? Because you know, you and I spoke offline, you are thriving. How do you do that if you are dealing in a very digital world right now? Right, so you know what, everything is cyclical, right? Um, you know, and we've seen a lot of our clients move away from print because it tends to get expensive, especially with postage rates continuing to go up. Um, but the, the fact remains that people like to get something that's tangible. They like to pick up a piece of paper. They like to get something in the mail. And if they're not gonna read it today, maybe they're gonna read it tomorrow. Maybe they're gonna read it a week from now. You know, an interesting story I'd love to talk about is I have a publishing client um, who once said to me, um, you know, I have a problem. Uh, a client just called and they, they, they got an offer in the mail three years ago. And they want to know if we're still going to honor that piece, uh, honor that discount. And I said, well, what'd you tell them? She says, we said, absolutely. You know, that's, that's great that they were able to hold on to that piece of mail on their desk. And when they were ready, they acted on it. Uh, and that's what I think uh, print and direct mail become a lot more valuable than, you know, emails, which people continually just delete, delete, delete. So let's stay on this, Mary. And again, when I said we were, I didn't call it multi-channel marketing, if you will, but think about our products, Mary, our content. On the public television side with our not-for-profit production company, Mary, we're, all, we're on several public television stations, which are our primary audience. We've moved some stuff over to News 12 Plus, et cetera. But look at all the digital platforms we're on. Isn't that the same principle? And so, and again, I'm not just doing this to plug the book, 
But it's like saying, well, well, print's dead. Like, who's going to buy a book? Well, everyone wants to read online. My wife, Jennifer, loves to read books. You know, she's got her iPad. But Dennis, I've got to believe that there is still a market for people who want to put their hands on something, on, on paper. Or am I just that old school or old? Don't answer no. the second part. You got it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Believe it or not, uh, Steve, even Manette, Manette, ugh. Can't pronounce the word. Who is it? Millennials. Millennials, <laughs> Even millennials yeah. love to love to get uh, paper, and they love to get print, and they love to get mail, and they respond to it. Um, so it, it's not just the older audience, the the traditional audience who uh, loves to get things in the mail and respond to it, but it's even the younger generation uh, that continues to uh, act on. Receiving coupons, for instance, you know, um, during the pandemic, one thing that we've all learned is everyone is staying home a lot more uh, and not and shopping online. And when they do go to a store, they love the fact that they can bring in a coupon with them and it, it encourages them to make a purchase. Um, and that's what we've found over and over again with a lot of our retail clients. Mary, a couple of minutes left with Dennis. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely, Dennis. And thank you so much, I mean, just for sharing. And one thing, again, that we talked about is the family business and, and taking it, growing it, evolving right. it, innovating it. What has changed, say, in the last, I mean, I know you've only been in this one organization for a few years, but just in your tenure doing this, what have you found to be the most significant change over the past, say, decade? Well, you know, what keeps me motivated, Mary, is, um, is the information and all the all the, uh, the, the ways of reaching people directly. Um, you know, I, I like to use the phrase, you, you, we can't talk at people, we have to talk with them, right? We have to talk uh, directly to the, what their needs are. And we've gotten a lot smarter and we're able to do a lot of things now that are targeted to uh, a person's need. We, we do the demographics, we find out what their likes and dislikes are, and that's what we gear our messages uh, about. And that's what makes our business uh, so much uh, more interesting. And, and, and doing print has changed. You know, it's no longer just printing, uh, putting ink on paper. Now we digitize uh, the messages, we make the messages geared towards each individual's wants and, and likes. Dennis, before I let you go, uh, we were joking about Peloton before. Mary rides every day. I rise. Yeah, well, she, she's, I, Alvin, I see I see the time fuse. By the way, we, we're able to communicate in so many ways this way. Alvin, thank you, our director, telling us how much time we have. Mary, you're every day. I'm every day. And I'm bragging. It's just we are Mary. Uh, Cody Rigsby, is that his name? Yep, that's my guy, Cody, all the way. I think I've done <laughs> almost every single one of his rides. <laughs> and Cody will be joining us, by the way, for Lessons in Leadership soon. We had Jen Sherman on Lessons in Leadership. We had John Foley, who created the company. Uh, Dennis, we were talking about the connection between taking care of oneself physically, emotionally, mentally, and leadership. You ride as well, don't you? I, I do, and uh, I was on with Alex Tucson this morning, oh. and I think he's a great motivator. Um, you know, he uh, he gets you, he really gets you going. Um, and I, you know, I wake up, and the first thing that comes to mind is uh, to get downstairs and uh, and get on the bike. Uh, it's great. 
Mary's not a fan of Alex's or his style, but Mary, that's why we're not going to turn to commercial for Peloton. There are lots of different instructors, but, but there's I love no it. Excuse. Yeah, my yeah. my husband's into it too, and the, I've tried some Is of the it? people Builds that he likes. It? Oh yeah, no, he's been doing it. Yep, he rides twice a day. He he rides wow. twice a day every day. And he has a pressure-filled wow. job, um, yeah. so that's great. Hey, Dennis, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I will see you on the golf course with my very calm and even demeanor, and <laughs> we will take care of business moving forward. And golf is about life and leadership, is it not? Absolutely, Steve. Look forward to seeing you again on the golf course and winning. 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 <laughs> leadership is winning. No, I'm joking. Dennis, thank you. Mary, we're right back right after this. Leadership is winning. Bye-bye. <laughs> This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. I could feel my lungs fill with oxygen, and I got my life back. The Sharing Network means to me hope, life, and everything. The Sharing Network was a lifeline to me when I really needed it. We are an organ procurement organization. The core purpose of the New Jersey Sharing Network is to save and enhance lives. To honor those who gave. Pay tribute to those who received. Offer hope to those who continue to wait. And remember the lives lost while waiting. For the gift of life. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. By the way, it's the third time I had to do that, getting back in. I'm a professional broadcaster. You may have picked that up. Uh, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamma, Lessons in Leadership. Uh, Mary, De by the way, Dennis is a true gentleman, a class act, and I want to thank him for joining us on the show. Um, but here's the, and by the way, I was joking about winning is everything. How one loses, how one comports him or herself, shaking hands with people after you lose, congratulating them. Actually, in all seriousness, I'm a big fan of that. And our daughter, Olivia, who is a pitcher on a 10-year-old softball team, I'm the third base coach. We insist, even though the girls can't come close together, they stand on the third base line, they wave to each other, wish each other luck, and no jokes, it's important. Mary, all right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's extremely important. So I'm glad that you, uh, you know, acknowledge that. A little snarky on her, and I wasn't <laughs> sure if she was serious. Hey, speaking of, um, there are a couple of things I want to talk about. We're, uh, by the way, we're going to a clip in just a few minutes of our friend Mike Duhame. Uh, tell everyone who Mike is and why it matters. Sure. So Mike Duhame, you caught me going to get my water, but that's okay. We're live TV. Sorry. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Live to tape. Live to tape. So Mike Duhame is a Republican strategist and partner at Mercury. And he really talks about accepting and owning, owning responsibility. And again, just the theme over this past year is innovation and constantly evolving. Change is constant. Yep. Uh, what's interesting is that, speaking of Republicans, and this isn't a political show at all, but Chris Christie is, uh, is a personal friend. And he wasn't my friend when he was governor and I was interviewing him. It was always pretty contentious. You ever noticed that, Mary? Yeah, I did. I was there for those uh, many interviews. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing, they were never dull. They were always interesting, fiery. And you could tell, though, even though they were definitely a little bit spirited, you could always tell that each of you respected one another. Yeah, well, 
maybe not all the time, but we always respect each other. And I'm not sure whether it came across or not. But I like Chris Christie a lot, um, mostly because I know him as a person. But he said something to me, and I wrote about it in Lessons in Leadership. And actually, someone in one of our leadership academies brought it up recently in a seminar. I wrote that Chris Christie told me, we were going back and forth, this is it, Steve. This is who I am. Um, what you see is what you get, is what, in fact, our one of the students in the Leadership Academy said. And I said that, yes, that's true. And yes, Governor Christie ran for president in 2016. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Not a political show. But I believe Governor Christie has evolved. And what you see is not what you get, meaning this is it. This is my personality. Take it or leave it. I actually don't believe, A, that that can be the case because you have a core personality, but you have to tweak and evolve. And I believe the governor, as he's gotten older, if you will, has tweaked. I agree make any completely. Sense? No, it totally makes sense. And and one thing that you said is definitely true. Everyone is who they are at the core. You want to be genuine. You don't want to try to change. And, and yeah, you don't want to do that. But you can always look to get better. Take the good things about yourself, tweak them and get better. And I really feel like he did that. And, and you can correct me if my exact facts are wrong, so I'm really bad at sticking with facts. But in the situation where he was around uh, Donald Trump, and the masks were not worn. And, and he came right out and said, I when he got COVID for not wearing a mask, he said, I should have worn a mask. My I bad. made a mistake. I made a mistake. And he would not have done that years and years ago. There's no way. It would have been excuses and finger pointing. And again, not even in a bad way. It was just you know a different personality. And it's such a, a great, uh, just a surprise to see that. I, I was very proud of him. Um, when he did that. So let me ask you the, this question. When it comes to leadership, and we, we talk about leadership, it's called lessons in leadership, it could, could be lessons in life, but we're not philosophers, you know, we're not psychologists, even though Mary studied it in college. I, I want to do this. If someone says, I'm persistent, I'm strong-willed, this is who I am and I'm proud of it, good for you. Someone else is stubborn refusing to change. What's the difference? There's a fine line. You don't want to be, I always say there's that arrogance and cockiness, but then there's confidence. And you never want to be that person that goes into a room thinking you know you know everything. You don't want to go into a conversation saying, look at me, my way or the highway. Doing that, other people are going to shut down. They're not going to listen. And most importantly, they're going to get to a point where they're not even going to want to be around you anymore. So not only now are you just a jerk because you are uh, just not fun to be around, but nobody's going to hear what you have to say anyway. So there needs to be that give and take. And listening is a huge part of leadership because you have two ears and one mouth. I always say that. And uh, you should be listening twice as hard as you are uh, talking. Uh, and P.S., before we move to the question of business development, and then we go to, because uh, Mike DeHame is involved in business development all the time. <sighs> so interesting. Um, here's my thing. If, as a leader, you're not constantly trying to get better, not just as a company, but as an individual, if your team's not trying to get better, if you as a leader, as a person, are not trying to find ways that you can improve, you're actually going backwards. And just saying, I'm not a phony, I'm not going to, people have said that to me. What do you want me to be, a phony? No, I want you to be a better, a better version of yourself. That's hard for people. That being said, Mary, business development and leadership. Mm -hmm. I keep, you and I keep talking about this business development pipeline, which means, just so you understand, we have a lot of 
We have some terrific clients on our stand and deliver end, some great underwriters and sponsors of our public television and our programming, but, but we lose some of them. COVID hurt some of them financially. We lost some, we gained some, but I'm always looking for new funders and new sponsors and new clients, but I don't want to be on a rat race and on a treadmill just bringing in clients for the sake of it. You and I go back and forth on this, talk about it. And that has to do with leadership and strategic decision-making. Go ahead, Mary. It sure does. So there's two different angles that you could look at it. On the nonprofit side, you're exactly right. We should always be looking for new leads, new uh, underwriters, because you never know. Not only in the pandemic, even before the pandemic, organizations can shift their focus. They could want to Yes, and they may want to spread out their uh, philanthropic dollars to other causes. So you always have to be on the lookout for that. On our other side, where we do the communication and leadership coaching, consulting, seminars, we are a team of two on that side. There's only so many hours in a day, so many days in a week. So you and I have just been very careful to make sure, because if you take on too many clients, if you take on too many gigs, and if you don't say no once in a while, you're going to spread yourself so thin, and you're not doing yourself or your clients um, a service because you're not going to be focused, you're going to be tired, you're going to be burnt out, and nothing good's going to happen. So you do need to find that healthy balance. Um, but yes, you should always be looking to business development. And business development also means developing business with the people that you already have, finding new ways to service them, finding out how their needs yep. have changed if you've been with them for a while. So it's really taking and expanding current relationships as well. And taking it away from us and away from business development, there are many clients we coach and work with who say, my biggest problem is I have a, quote, hard time saying no. And so they say yes to everything. And then what happens, Mary? We say we have 3.30 left in the show. Wait, in the in entire the show. show? Yeah, well, we're going to throw to Mike Duhame, and then we're going to come back and talk about how great that interview was. So. Speaking of time management, mine is terrible. <laughs> this is Mike Duhame, Republican strategist, partner at Mercury, a great uh, PR, advertising marketing agency, Mike Duhame, Lessons in Leadership. I got to work on my time. Lessons in Leadership is honored to be joined by our good friend, Mike Duhame, Republican strategist and partner at Mercury LLC. By the way, Mike, tell everyone what Mercury is. Mercury is a public affairs company, international public affairs company. We help people where messaging comes together with business outcomes. So listen, the reason I wanted to have you on Lessons in Leadership is simple. Leadership is largely about handling a crisis, handling difficult times. We're taping this in early spring 2021, crises all over the place. What are the keys in your view for a leader who has to, quote, communicate effectively to his or her organization and key stakeholders in a crisis? I think especially in a crisis, it's, it's one, accepting some sort of responsibility, uh, holding wh whoever's responsible accountable, um, and then making sure uh, that you're taking steps to make sure that if it's a negative crisis, that it hasn't happened, that it won't happen again. Uh, I think ultimately crises are an opportunity. You have to get through the crisis, but then it's an opportunity to reflect on your organization to see what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses. If it, if it was a, a negative crisis that was perhaps brought on uh, through some sort of uh, negligence or, or bad actor, how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? So it, it, there has to be some uh, introspection that goes on. If you're going to be, if you're going to be a true leader of an organization like that, you have to look at it and say, how does this not happen again? How can we be better uh, for having gone through this? One more quick follow-up. Um, and by the way, you can catch uh, Mike in an interview that we did with him and Phil Olaja, who is the chief of staff in Essex County, talking about uh, politics and policy across the state and nation. One more quick follow-up, Mike, on leadership. Why do so many leaders who you coach, who you consult with, not just you, but anyone. Why do so many of them have such a difficult time, quote, accepting and owning responsibility, A, and B, 
Um, don't they get that that's the only real strategy that makes sense? I think it's hard. Uh, part of it is a lot of people that I work with, Steve, maybe you too, right? They're CEOs of companies. They are very successful, maybe elected officials, right? Think of the, uh, just think of the, um, uh, how you must judge yourself to be in, in charge of such a large leadership organization. Imagine being, imagine being, uh, you know, governor of a state and saying, hey, nine million people in the state, I'm pretty sure I'm the best one to run it, right? You have to have a healthy degree of your own self-confidence. And Ego. so when something goes wrong, when something goes wrong, uh, you sometimes, you know, look around and say, hey, how could this go wrong? Like, we're, we're really good at what we do. And for the most part, they are. They are exceptional people. Uh, but even exceptional people can have organizations that make mistakes. But it's hard sometimes to admit that just by nature of having been so successful most of the time in your life, but it doesn't mean you're going to be successful 100% of the time. So accepting that responsibility, sometimes it takes a little while while uh, to get there. But really, really good leaders have people around them who will speak truth to power. And I've been fortunate enough to work with people who want to hear that truth. There are way too many uh, CEOs and people in elected office who surround themselves with sycophants and are never told the truth. The people who are the best leaders want people around them who will tell them hard truths, tell them difficult things, and then act accordingly. You just heard it from Mike Duhame, who interacts and communicates and consults and coaches a lot of those leaders, both in the public and private sector. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us on Lessons in Leadership, buddy. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. That was Mike Duhame from uh, Mercury. Uh, hey, Mary, Mike had a great quote. I want to follow up on this. He said, really great leaders have to have people around them who, quote, tell them the hard truths. Go. Oh, it is so hard. And Steve and I, you and I wrestle with that all the time because you want to make sure that your team is going to be open, honest, and tell you things that sometimes you really don't want to hear. But it's so hard to hear it. Uh, I've said to you, Steve, when you've gotten feedback, if somebody says, oh, you know, that's Steve, he was a little bit too abrasive in a seminar. You're like, what? I don't understand. And if they don't want to be engaged with or this or that. And, and it's one of those things where you do need to accept feedback. And sometimes the truth is hard to hear. But if you mm. really internalize it and apply it, it could help to make you a better person and a better leader. You know, we, when we opened up the show, I was teasing with our friend Dennis Lacanada. I mentioned our great friend Nick Greco, who's a terrific lawyer, who's our attorney. He's my lifelong friend. I just was joking a little bit about Nick. Um, but Nick said something to me on a golf course. I, I keep talking about golf, but it's not about golf. We were playing in a, on a course one time, and we were going back and forth and with some guys and a little argument about a putt or whatever. And somebody said to me, you could be really difficult. And I said, what? And he goes, no, seriously, you can be really difficult. And sometimes the guys don't want to play because you make up the rules as you go along. And I turned to Nick and I said, Nick, tell me the truth. Am I difficult? And he goes, you want me to tell you the truth? You want me to lie to you? And there it was. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, do you really want to hear the truth? Because if I tell you the truth, I don't want you to be mad. And I was like, wow, the people who care about you, and it's again, not about me, not about Mary, but as a leader, if we don't tell people the truth as we see it about their demeanor, their comportment, their performance, their execution, are we really doing them any favors, Mary? Absolutely not. And as you said, and good for you to, you know, let him say it. I'm sure you might have given no, him a No, I didn't talk to him for six months after that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm sure you no. gave him a hard time just a no, little bit. Or, it was hard uh, to hear, but I knew. Go ahead. It's really hard to hear. And there's often a lot of explaining that goes after it. Well, you don't understand. I was that way because, or the worst, you made me do this. What you Defensive. did made me. Nobody you makes you do anything, Mary, right? 
Exactly, exactly. And, and really a critical part of leadership is you can really only influence how you react to things. Uh, you can't blame somebody else for letting you lose your temper or just really not keeping your cool. So I think that was a really great gift that Nick gave you. And I love Nick Greco. He's the best. So Nick, he if you're watching, best. I love you. And by the way, Nick, if you are watching, by the way, let's send Nick this. Because the other thing about Nick Greco, in all seriousness, you don't know Nick. Um, it's not about Nick, not about me. It's about loyalty. Leadership and loyalty. Mm -hmm. You know how easy it is to be friends with someone when they're succeeding, things are going well, and everything's great? See who your friends are and see who's on your team during really tough times. Fiscally, you got some issues and challenges, and you're not feeling as confident as you normally do. The people who are with you then, they're your friends. I'm not going to get overly philosophical or maudlin about it. It's just true. It's part of it's part leadership and loyalty, right, Mary? Yeah, definitely. All the way. They they go hand in hand. Mary's been loyal to me in good times and bad. Uh, I'm with her as well. That's why we're partners. Lessons in leadership, Mary Gamba, Steve Arabato. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Arabato, and my colleague Mary Gamba is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com. NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.